what goes up must come down. Welcome to the Brand Breakdown. I'm Michelle. And I'm Courtney. And this is where we're going to track the rise and fall of big brands, from companies to celebs to pop culture phenoms and everything in between. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Brand Breakdown. We're so happy you're with us today. Today, we are going to be talking about New Year, New You. What does that mean? It means we're going to break down all the many weight loss fads and diets and programs that are out there, as well as a lot of the fitness things that are um, often touted in the media and ones that have been successful and ones that have not been as successful. So uh, Courtney's going to lead this session today, and I'm going to pipe in a lot on the weight loss piece because... Uh, we were just looking at all of the diets that we listed, and I've done every single one of them. So I can give you my very honest perspective on how well they work. So anyway, Courtney, <laughs> good morning. I hope you're well. <laughs> I am well, although I have a scratchy throat. So sorry for the vocal fry, because I know we get some comments on that sometimes. <laughs> um, oh, I hate that. You know, honestly, like I don't mind the vocal fry. And I don't ever try to do it intentionally, but I also just kind of like talk with it naturally. And then when I get sick, it's like worse. Um, but I don't mind a little vocal fry now and then. Um, <laughs> so my voice is so high pitched. I feel like I don't have vocal fry. I just feel like, you know, low key, my voice can be annoying when it's really high pitched. No, you always say that about your voice. And like, I listen, obviously I listen to your voice for like multiple hours a week across many different <laughs> mediums. So and sorry. No, but like, I don't think, I don't think you have like a high pitch voice. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, oh, God, like, have to listen to that dog whistle again. Like, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> your voice is just a very pretty, normal voice with a cute little hint of a Southern accent. No, thank you so much for the dog whistle voice. I've never thought about what it that you, way, but that might be my new way. What do you always say? Mickey Mouse? You think you sound like Mickey, Mickey Mouse? Mouse? I sound like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, no, you totally sure. don't. You totally do yeah. not. Although when my husband um, imitates me, he strangely imitates me as um, one of the monsters from Monsters, Inc. So if he's like <laughs> like mocking me, he'll say, Mr. Wachowski, oh my God, what's oh. wrong with you? <laughs> All the time. I'm like, do oh. I really sound like that person from Monsters, Inc.? Come no, on. definitely don't sound like her. I can't think of her name yeah. right now. I can't either, but I love her at Mr. Wagowski. Um, I'm like, I, I, pr- I promise I don't sound like that. But anyway, yeah, I can't definitely do not. Sorry about, sorry about that little rabbit hole. Uh, all right. So tell us about New Year, New You. I want to hear all about it. Yeah. So, you know, we've just celebrated the New Year. And this is the time of year where everybody loves to make their resolutions. They talk about all the things they're going to do this year that are going to make them better than last year or healthier or more in shape or, um, by the way, did you make any resolutions? I did. And they're so lofty. That I can't imagine <laughs> that I'm going to be able to fulfill any of them, but I did. I always make lots of resolutions, which I hear is a bad thing too, because then you never do them, but I always just feel so accomplished when I, when I make resolutions as if they've already happened. Mm-hmm. But, um, Yes. Do you want no, to share them like, with? Do you want to share well, them with there's, me? Well, there's, there's, are they very personal? Silly. So, no, I mean, you know, one of them is um, always to be more compassionate and loving with my family. Like that's always one. I feel like um, that's not even a fair one because that's just like your personality is already 
compassionate and loving. That's not even, that's um, a bad resolution. You can't just do a thing you already do. <laughs> you don't hear me at 7.15 in the morning when I'm trying to get my son out of bed for school. So <laughs> True. I mean, I try to be compassionate and loving, but when it's like, you have to leave in five minutes. Like that doesn't feel very <laughs> compassionate or loving. And then, and then I just get mad and you know, then it's like chaos all around and whatever. This morning was not that way because he got up on his own and he was already showered and he was Ooh, ready. And maybe that was door. his resolution. Maybe he resolved this year to be a little more independent. Maybe. And he didn't um, fuss about his breakfast either, which normally he fusses about his breakfast. But this morning he was like, yay, this breakfast is awesome. So um, I don't know. Or maybe he just got a good night's sleep because I will tell you he's been up every single night till like 2 a.m. playing games with friends all, all, of, all of the holidays. He got, right. Yeah, he got the PS5 for Christmas. So he's been, uh, he's been gaming it up, gaming it up. Um, but anyway, so that was one. And then another one is to obviously be healthy and exercise more because I'm a little bit allergic to exercise. Um, so that's a good one. Um, what was another one I had? Oh, I want to travel more. We're taking um, both kids on like, you know, daddy daughter trips and mommy son trips um, later in the year. So um, that was one. And then I had a couple of like little personal ones that are so dumb that I won't share them. So anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just like, you know, be more this or do more this or blah, blah, blah. They're silly. So what about okay. you? Did you have any resolutions? Um. So I, I was reading something that was talking kind of like you said, how resolutions they say like you shouldn't really make them because then it kind of, if you don't hit it, you're like setting yourself up to be disappointed or whatever. So I saw somebody online who had made an in and out list for 2024. And so I made my ins for 2024 are that weekends are for rest and fun, Sunday self-care, reading is fundamental, um, fresh air and outdoor time. Um, heart health and flexibility, don't put it down, put it away and finishing what you started. And so those are my ins. So the, like, I didn't set a specific, like, oh, I'm going to work out this many times a week and I'm going to, you know, lose this many pounds, but it was kind of just like a, here's some things I want to focus on. And then my out list is stressing over stress, junk calories, clutter, and being a slug. <laughs> so <laughs> those are the things I'm going to try not to do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know you ever to be a slug. I would say you're much more um, the hare than the turtle. So I, I can't even imagine you saying that you're a slug in any way, unless by slug you mean like Forrest Gump running down that long driveway uh, to catch the bus. Like, you know, there's, there's no, there's well, no so slug I tend to be a person who's like, I'm very, very busy and I've got a lot of stuff going on, but then there's other stuff that I can very easily, like things like doing laundry, like I'll put off doing laundry for eons because I hate it. And so then when I have this laundry that's piled up and it needs to be folded and put away, I'm like, oh, I'm such a slug because like I haven't done this like easy task. You know how you, you procrastinate the easiest thing you could do and then you finally do it and you're like, oh, that took me like five minutes. Why did I put it off for a week? Um, so that's what I mean by don't be a slug because I'm just a procrastinator. So, um, yeah, I am too. I think that's why being in advertising is so great for me because it's so deadline driven. Like you mm -hmm. always have a deadline and if you don't hit your deadline, then you're absolutely screwed. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why the business is just really, really good for me to always have a deadline and always be, you know, working towards something. Otherwise I think I would just lay around and eat bonbons all day. <laughs> um, 
Which it sounds amazing whatever. right now, actually. Yeah, I know. It sounds That's lovely. my New Year's resolution. Eat more bonbons. There we go. Eat more bonbons. Um, so we have discussed our resolutions, which are kind of not resolution E. I think I think we're both just striving, striving to continue moving forward this year. Um, My son would call those goals, not resolutions. Goal. But I didn't see, I didn't put any numbers on mine. So technically they're not a goal because if you don't have something that is measurable, it's not considered a goal. As we were, as I was like thinking about my ins and outs for the year and all of that, I was kind of thinking about when did people start making these New Year's resolutions? Because obviously the new year has been something that you know, now it's like a big thing and it's on TV and you got the ball drop and people are having parties and stuff. But when did people start celebrating the new year? And when did people start attributing the new year to a time when they should be, you know, making themselves a little promise or resolutions or goals or whatever? So I did a little bit of research, as I do. And it turns out that around 2000 BC, so resolutions have essentially been a thing for 4,000 years. Um, the Babylonians. And <laughs> <laughs> why can't people accomplish this? <laughs> because, like- <laughs> I know, right? 4,000 years and everyone's like, how do we do this? <laughs> that, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay, well, sorry. Keep know. going. That's so funny. Like, it's just like war. Like, why can't we work this out? Yes. <laughs> why can't we figure this out? So, yeah. Why so, for 4,000 years, for 4,000 years, people have been starting the year, you know, determined to do it right this time. Um, the Babylonians created or they celebrated the new year during a 12 day festival called Akitu, which was actually celebrated during the spring equinox. So, that's around like end of March. And this was in time with the start of the farming season, planting their crops and all of that. This is also the time where they would hold coronations if there was a new king. And they first, the first kind of acknowledged version of a resolution was that at this time of the new farming season and new coronations, they made promises to return borrowed farm equipment and pay their debts. So the first resolutions were not, necessarily about self-improvement they were more business decisions but you know you do what you got to do and then this new year's celebration was also then adopted by the ancient romans and they also the romans also took on the tradition of resolutions and the romans always you know i think we've discussed before i think we discussed during the halloween episode that the you know ancient romans tended to take on a lot of traditions from other cultures and wrap them up and say hey this is our thing now. Um, but so they took okay. on the tradition of resolutions. The timing of the new year was shifted um, in 46 BC, which declared January 1st as the start of the new year because that was when they adopted the Julian calendar. So at the start of the new year, January 1st, they start. They continued the tradition of resolutions. And those resolutions were more about making promises to the god Janus, and that is who the month of January is named for. So they were making slightly religious type of promises. Um, And then this continued for quite a while, and, you know, with promises being more religious-based. In the medieval era, (laughs) knights took a peacock vow at the end of the Christmas season each year, which obviously we know that the Christmas season is immediately followed by 
January 1st and the new year. Um, and they were reaffirming their commitment to chivalry. So that's when Aww, the commitment, I know, sweet. sweet, right? And that's when commitment started to, you know, resolutions as we know them today, started to become a little bit more personal, a little bit more about self-improvement and how you could be treating other people as opposed to, you know, returning your farm equipment and paying a debt. So that is where resolutions came from. And then since the medieval era, they've just continued in that vein of more about personal improvement and relationship improvement. And of course, now we have the phenomenon of new year, new you, where it seems that every January 1st, everybody is trying to wipe the slate clean and you know, all of the junk food that you've eaten over the holiday season starting at like Halloween <laughs> and running through the end of the year just doesn't exist anymore. And you're going to only eat healthy food and do every single good and natural thing. I literally started taking vitamins this year. On January 2nd, I bought some vitamins um, and I'm like, I'm going to take a multivitamin. So people have just started really focusing on new year, new you, getting more fit, getting healthier, losing weight, um, and then also we've got other people who are focusing on things like decluttering their houses. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are out there doing good works too, volunteering for charities, making donations to organizations that are important to them. But for the purposes of this podcast, we are going to focus on the weight loss and fitness phenomenons and fads that have basically sprung up with the new year, new you type of genre of resolutions because there are a lot of fad diets out there. And I'm, as Michelle, you had said that, you know, you've tried a bunch of them. I've tried a bunch of them. Um, and then of course, right in like increasing your fitness goes hand in hand with new year, new you people have taken up all sorts of activities. They've bought all sorts of gadgets. Um, so we're going to start running through some of these fad diets of which there are, you know, my personal favorite one in terms of like, I say favorite facetiously, the one I hate the absolute most is a cabbage soup diet because someone in my home may or may not have done the cabbage soup diet when I was little. And I just remember every time a batch of that would be made, <laughs> I would be like, oh my God, the smell of that is terrible. How are you even eating it? Um, and then there's other diets like the grapefruit diet and then the special K diet and then the more commercial diets like Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, Nutrisystem, Slim Fast. And of course, we've also got things like keto, Mediterranean diet, Dash diet, South Beach. Um, now, I'm going to I'm going to uh, put in a brief codicil here. I hate that as women that we in order to feel like we look good, we have to be fit and, and thin. I think that's not right overall. I have to put that out there because I've struggled with my weight for years and years and years. And, and I still want to believe that I am attractive and beautiful and, and have a lot going for me that has nothing to do with my weight. So I'm going to say like all these fad diets are all great in their own ways. But I think the most important thing is to love yourself no matter what you look like. Right. Yeah. So I, mean, I have to put that out there. I think for me, anytime I start, like, I'm like, Ooh, I need to like lose weight. It's because I'm not feeling like I'm not feeling physically well, right? Like I'm carrying extra weight. And so it's making my body feel a little bit sluggish or it's making, you know, like I, I don't feel like myself kind of. Um, right. And then also 
I, because I had preeclampsia twice, I'm overly concerned with like my heart health because when you have preeclampsia, you have a much higher risk of um, heart disease and stroke and heart attack and all that stuff. And so ever since then, I've been like, okay, I really need to make sure that I am getting the appropriate amount of exercise. And there's one of the preeclampsia mutants screaming in the background. (laughs) Um, But so because I had preeclampsia, I'm so concerned with like my heart health. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to gain any extra weight because if I gain extra weight, then that means I'm, you know, that's not healthy for my heart and the rest of me. So I'm more about like staying healthy as opposed to like looking a certain way. Um, I'm not out there to like, you know, be a hundred pounds, super, super skinny. Oh my God. Right. I haven't been that since eighth grade. Um, I know, right? It's like but, elementary school probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, for me it's the same. So, you know, like my cholesterol is not as great as it could be and my you know, my numbers are not as good as they should be. And, you know, I was very ill a couple of years ago. So the main reason that I'm trying to be healthy is not because of the way I look anymore, but more to stay alive. Michelle, did you wanna what is your favorite? What was your favorite fad diet you've ever tried and then your least favorite one? Um, So uh, I want to talk about the ones that I've liked the most and the ones that I've liked the least. So I'm going to start with the Mediterranean diet. I love the idea of the Mediterranean diet because it emphasizes fruits and vegetables and whole grains and olive oil and fish with limited, you know, kind of meat and dairy or whatever. The -hmm. problem is, is that on the Mediterranean diet, a lot of the... um, Uh, the Mediterranean has a lot of pasta on it or rice or grains or whatever. And I tend to overeat those things. So Mm -hmm. when I get on something like the Mediterranean diet, (laughs) it's not so much of a diet for me as it is like, yay, my favorite things, because (laughs) I'm someone who, (laughs) I'm someone who needs to kind of like really moderate what I do from like the, the white things like white potatoes, white rice, white pasta, all that. I try to do the no white, um, um, because I love those things so much, but they really, truly, 100% do not love me. So mm-hmm. I think the Mediterranean diet is fantastic if um, you can be someone who's really moderate with your grains, because I think the grains are the things, um, the grains and the fruit is what will get you um, on that diet because, you know, it says you can have all that stuff. But if you're not watching your portions and you're not watching how much, um, how many grains you're having and and what meals and all that, then you kind of derail yourself, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So that was my kind of experience with the Mediterranean diet. Although every time I go to the doctor, she's like, you need to try the Mediterranean diet. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. Um, (laughs) Because it is heart healthy. But in my regular diets, I use olive oil. I eat fish. I eat vegetables. I love vegetables with all my heart. And I like fruit. So Um, the keto diet, uh, it's I, I know it works for so many people. But you smell so bad when you're on the keto diet because you get that kind of keto breath. Um, Mm -hmm. did you know this? Do you know about the keto breath? It's so gross. So I have found that the only diet that like kind of works for me is keto, but I'm so bad at it that I never do it for more than a couple days. So I've never experienced the keto breath and the ketosis situation that's really happening. Mostly keto works for me because I stop eating carbs and carbs are my weakness. So (laughs) yeah, same. And you get what's called the keto flu. So I did the keto diet for like two weeks. And now listen, I, I lost some weight, like for sure. I lost like seven or eight pounds in that two weeks or whatever. 
Um, but the keto flu is like the first three days because you're not eating sugar and you're not eating carbs and all that. You're not eating. I don't even. I'm not sure, but I don't think you're eating caffeine either. I can't remember completely, but yeah, well, I cheat on the keto diet, so (laughs) I'm I'm having caffeine. (laughs) Well, it made me feel so bad that, um, you know, I did it for a couple of weeks and then it's really hard to stay in ketosis or really hard Mm -hmm. to stay, you know, eating what it's, it's just really restrictive and and difficult in my opinion. So then, so then I also have tried... (laughs) embarrassed. I've done all these. I'm going to run through them. So I also did the paleo diet. Now, one thing I love about the paleo diet is that it emphasizes like whole foods. So like all your regional veggies and I love seeds and, and all that, but you know, it takes out the grains, takes out the dairy, which I love dairy. Like I'm like, cheese is my best friend. If I were on the desert Island, I'd be there with Brie, be me, Brie and a cup of coffee. Like Mm, I love Brie. Oh my God. That just sounds like a perfect meal. Brie and coffee. Oh my Mm -hmm. God. Right now, I'm hungry. <laughs> right. Um, so I, w- I had a hard time on the paleo diet, although I loved all the meats. Like, I for a little while I subscribed to one of those like meat things that delivers meat to you. It's really expensive. I don't, I don't know, unless you have lots of disposable income, it's a little bit cost prohibitive. But I loved it. Like, the meat was amazing. And you know, we can't eat nuts in our house, but um, we had all the leafy greens and all that. And I, I liked it. And again, paleo diet, if you're doing it strictly, you will lose weight. Although, um, you do get, if you're not really, really eating some greens and, and, um, like a lot of cruciferous vegetables, so cauliflower, broccoli, things like that, you can get a little, you know, backed up if you know what I'm saying. Um, got to get your fiber in. Yeah. You gotta get, you've got to find a way on all of them, the keto, the paleo, Atkins, South beach, all the ones that are really carb restricted. You (laughs) need to make sure you're getting your fiber in. Um, because otherwise it's, it's not, it's not fun. So then, um, I was also a vegan for a couple of years in my twenties. So that was a really long time ago, by the way. Um, and there was a fantastic grocery store back then that I used to shop at all the time. I can't remember the name of it. Something like wellness something. I don't know. But being a vegan is really difficult. Nothing with a face, right? So no um, dairy or anything like that. Tons of fruits and vegetables. But you know what I did not have is, and I didn't know enough about it, but if I had had nutritional yeast at the time, I probably would have used that on everything because it has a lot of vitamin B. But meat has a lot of vitamin B or, and you can get your vitamins that way. If you're a vegan and you're not getting supplemental B, then um, it can be very difficult on your body. It's hard on your body to be, um, you know, anything really, 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 really strict. It can be hard mm-hmm. on your body if you're not watching what you're doing. Right. Um, so, you know, I was very, uh, I was in very good shape as a vegan. Like I will say that I didn't need a ton of pasta and carbs. And I was in my twenties and everybody looks better in their twenties. Um, you know, or at least I looked better in my twenties. Maybe not everybody. Some people age so well that they look good when they're a hundred. Um, like anyway, Jayla. Like JLo, right? <laughs> yes. She's a perfect example. Bringing it back. <laughs> Bring it way to go full circle, baby. Um, but anyway, so vegan was, was difficult, but you know, it, like one of my best friends is vegan and she is like a pro at it and she's super healthy. Um, I've never done the DASH diet because I have really low blood pressure, but I think that's one that really, you know, tries to combat high blood pressure. So I don't know a lot about it, but my, um, I had some relatives that did it and it worked really well for them. But I mean, looking at what it's, looking at its description emphasizes fruit, veggies, whole grains, lean protein, low fat dairy. That kind of just feels like a 
diet. You know what I mean? Like if somebody was just like, oh, I'm going to eat healthier. I feel like that's just what somebody would kind of do naturally, you know? Right. Right. So yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like just, just that's just like healthy. Diet, yeah. Just like healthy food choices. Yeah, no, I think so. Now we all did the Atkins diet. I think in the nineties was when that was really big. <laughs> um, or at least that's what I remember. And we, everyone yeah. I, I've ever met had done it and it works. It's super, it's super effective. And then there was kind of the morphing into the South beach diet from the Atkins diet. I think there was a lot of Atkins mm-hmm. and South beach. And, and I will say that I did the South beach diet when I was in my thirties and it was really, really successful. Because it gave you sweets and it gave you um, dairy and it gave you all the things that you really miss when you're doing a restrictive diet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed South Beach, I would say. Now, you know what diet I don't see on here? The diet I don't see on here that's related to Atkins and South Beach is the Dukan diet or Dukan, um, oh, which I only ever discovered because yeah. that's the one that Kate Middleton Kate and Pippa and Carol, yep, <laughs> she did it for her wedding. And so I actually tried it. And it's it's very similar to um, South Beach and Atkins where it's like low carb, high protein, um, yep, but it's I did that super restrictive. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. you look at the Princess of Wales and her sister and her mother and you're like, well, it works. So I'll give it a shot. I think I don't know. I think they're naturally that way, and I'm you know I they just are. They're obviously naturally, naturally slim people. Fit people. Uh, they're just like yeah. built that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, when I saw how amazing the three of them all looked at Kate's wedding, I was like, "What is that diet? How do I get that body?" And I mean, it also involves having a ton of time to do yoga and Pilates and go for jogs and swim and play tennis and do all the things. Oh, so I would like know. to be doing all those things right now. Me but, too. You know, 40 pounds lighter. Um, Weight Watchers, after I had my son, I did Weight Watchers and it was awesome. Now that was when it was just points. I didn't, there wasn't all this flexy stuff, which I did not do well. Do not give me flexibility or I'm going to just screw it all up. So, um, I just did the, the pure points and I lost like 36 pounds on Weight Watchers. Yeah, I've done son. Weight Watchers <laughs> and I have like friends who've done it and family have done it and they seem to, I think one of the reasons Weight Watchers can be so successful is because it's not restricting food groups necessarily. It really is more about like portion control in a way that doesn't feel so restrictive. Um but I've never actually liked it that much because I'm not good at, you know, measuring out exactly a cup of whatever I'm eating. I want to, I'm not, uh, yeah. I don't have self-control in that way. <laughs> so I do like doing that. Like I love cottage cheese with all my heart, but if you gave me a, cotta- a carton Ooh, of cottage cheese, I'd eat the no. whole thing and that's really not good for you. That's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> I love it so oh. much. No, oh my God, I love cottage cheese. so much. So- I grew up on it. Oh my God, Connor <laughs> likes cottage cheese, and you it's like, like his you're only about source. To throw up. I literally am because okay, so Connor loves cottage cheese. It's like his only source of protein. Um, he doesn't eat like any meat. Occasionally, he'll have a chicken nugget, but that's it. So he eats a lot of cottage cheese and a lot of um like yogurt. And every single night when I give him a bowl of cottage cheese with his dinner, I want like I'm like trying not to even look at it because it just oh. Ugh, yuck. Ooh. No, okay. I love it so much. Oh my god, that's so disgusting. I grew up with a I grew up with a really, really healthy mom. Like we didn't have I didn't have a Dorito until I was like 17. Like I did not have <gasps> health food. Like, Child abuse. 
So the only thing that we had in our house that was like unhealthy in any way was this thing called Charles chips. They came in a can. It was like a brown can. And I loved them so much um, because that was really like my mom would let us have SpaghettiOs if we were sick. Like that was a big treat. Um, but I had the stinkiest lunch on the hall at all times in school. Like it was always like I would have like brie and crackers or uh, bean with bacon soup or tuna fish sandwiches on brown bread. We did not have white bread in my house. And I'm a southerner. We did not have white bread, which, you know, to this day, I still lament that. Only on um, Thanksgiving did we get white bread because my mom would make white bread turkey sandwiches after Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, but anyway, she was like the original uh, person that restricts. Like she she is not, she is such a good eater and super healthy. And, you know, like she, she's always been kind of my role model in that way, except I don't do anything that she does. I just like to believe I could. Um, but anyway, so, uh, anyway, going back to cottage cheese, I love it. Um, and so I will get out a, like a half cup measurer and I will measure in a half cup of cottage cheese. Otherwise I will eat the whole entire container. I love it. I know. I'm sorry. Okay. Intermittent fasting. Um, I don't do well with intermittent fasting and I think maybe it's just, I haven't done it long enough because I get kind of what my mom calls her sinking spells. Like we're halfway through. I feel like I'm going to die because I haven't eaten. Um, and my friends who've done it said that you kind of get over that, like it stops or whatever. And I have some friends who've done it and they've been super successful and lost a ton of weight. So, um, you know, I'm not saying it's not great. I just have been unable to get past like nine hours. Yeah. I like inadvertently intermittent fast just because I'm not really like a breakfast person. And so I tend to, and I don't really, I try not to like snack too much after dinner. So I kind of inadvertently intermittent fast because I probably, like I haven't eaten a meal yet today. And you know, we're like more than halfway through the day at this point. Um, Oh my God. What the heck? Yeah. It It keeps me in check. I guess that's basically the only thing that really does though is just like I'm not eating as many calories because I'm missing an entire meal. Yeah, you're missing <laughs> um, a whole meal. It's you're doing really accidental a, intermittent fasting. Yeah, I don't mean to, and I'm not doing it by any sort of like some people have the apps, and then when their fast is done, they like do it for however many days, and when their fast is done, they like have this big meal. I just am not a breakfast person, therefore. Yeah, I like love I'm like a brunch person though. Meal. I love breakfast food. I just don't like to eat first thing in the morning because mm-hmm. I don't know. I prefer I to fill it. my stomach with coffee instead. <laughs> I can't wait to eat first thing in the morning. That's probably my whole problem. Uh, speaking of whole, the whole 30 diet, I have not done that. I have all the books, but I couldn't, I just couldn't stick to it. Um, but I did know a girl, I worked with her years and years ago and she was getting ready for a big event and she did it for like six weeks and girl, she dropped some massive weight and she really? looked, um, yeah, she looked amazing. So I love the Nordic diet, but it's so hard to find like really super fresh, fresh caught fish, which is kind of the staple of the Nordic diet. I love root vegetables, but again, root vegetables are, are seasonal, you know, like beets and turnips and greens and, um, you know, you can find them year round, but when you, when you find them in season, when they're really fresh is when they taste the best. And I like fatty fish. I love all fish. So I love the Nordic diet and I think it's great. I just, you know, I, I, 
the whole grains part of it. I think quinoa and um, barley and um, kamut and all those different grains are all great. I just can't eat a lot of them myself. Um, so gluten-free diet, you know, I think gluten, if you have a gluten sensitivity or you have celiac disease or anything like that, I think obviously the gluten-free diet is wonderful. But if you don't have a gluten issue, um, I know that there's been a lot of books out there about gluten and what it does to your body. I don't have any, I don't, I don't have an opinion either way on the gluten-free diet. If you if you feel better when you're not eating gluten, even if you don't have celiac or sensitivity, then definitely do the gluten-free diet. A lot of these diets that we've talked about, you know, some of the grains are gluten-free, so you could just eat gluten-free grains. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I will say that I am working, I'm doing something right now that's not a diet, but I did get a device um, at I don't know, maybe right before Christmas. It's called the Lumen, um, and I love it. So it's this little device. Um, it's not cheap, um, but you can look it up. It's Lumen, L-U-M-E-N. It's this little device that you blow into, and then it tells you whether or not you're burning carbs or fat. And if you're burning fat, then How does it fat know? Mode, then you're losing weight. It measures your breath. So it, it measures the CO2 in your breath and can tell whether or not you're burning um, carbs or fat. It's amazing. I love it. I've already that's so sold, cool. Like, I've already sold it to a, a couple other people. I've been like, go get this thing. You're gonna love it. And um, so I'm using that. And and they don't have the like they have a few recipes and stuff like that. I wouldn't say their recipe stable is that great, but you can certainly find recipes for whether or not you're eating low carb, medium carb, or high carb because it gives you it tells you like today you should be eating low carb. Today you should be eating medium carb. You know based on what you're blowing. And it's amazing. I love it so much. Um, I'm really uh, interested to see what it looks like for me in like three months, if I'm still using it. Have I lost the weight that I wanted to lose? How do I feel? Um, You know, et cetera, and so on. But I do, um, so far, like I've had it for a while. I've had it for a month and it's been working and I'm just losing weight slowly because I feel like if you do it, someone like me, if I do it really fast, it's going to make me sicker. So, um, Anyway, I do highly recommend the Lumen if anyone um, is interested in looking into it. It ain't cheap, but um, but it seems to be working really well. So um, I think we've covered a lot of the diets. I can't think of any others that we haven't covered that were, you know, super, um, super popular. Can you think of any? The only other diet that I can remember from when I was younger that like women in my family used to do was the grapefruit diet, which was literally just like. They would eat a half a grapefruit two times a day. And that was actually, I think, more of just a starvation diet um, and absolutely I had loved the no health diet. benefit. You did. It's just starving yourself. I did it with my mom. My mom, like, even though my mom was super slim because she was just one of those people, she's built like a Middleton, um, she was always on some kind of diet. And I did with her, I did the cabbage soup diet. I did the grapefruit diet. I did, um, there was one where you ate, weird things every day like one day was fruits one day was vegetables one day was meat and vegetables one day was fruit and vegetables but you Hmm. drank like some kind of soup all the time that one really worked but I loved the grapefruit diet because I loved grapefruit so I ate it every day but I don't know very many people who love grapefruit I think I mean I like grapefruit but I also like food and if I all I could have was grapefruit (laughs) I would just be very hungry I think you I think you could have other stuff on it. Oh my gosh. I just remembered a diet I did in like the early 2000s. It was called the bananas and milk diet. Ew. No. It was, <laughs> it was That's like tomatoes gotta be terrible. and milk, bananas and milk. 
That's going to be terrible for your digestion. Oh, I'm sure it was. I was very healthy then. So I, I, I don't think I had a problem, but yeah, I remember eating a lot of tomatoes and milk and bananas and milk. Yeah. It was so gross. I know. Hey, do you know what I love to eat with my grapefruit? Cottage cheese. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's right. Cottage cheese. I think that's like part of the grapefruit diet is like cottage cheese. If I Maybe recall. that's where I got my love for it. Yeah. No, I, I love I love the grapefruit with the cottage cheese. Um, anyway, moving on, what have you got next for us? Are we talking about um, fitness equipment too? Yeah. So the other thing I just kind of wanted to touch on a little bit was just fitness because with New Year, new. So yeah. So in addition to, you know, New Year, new you, people do their weight loss plans. And typically they also incorporate some sort of fitness plan into that because, you know, gym memberships spike up at the new year. And there's nothing more. I used to be a person who went to the gym quasi regularly, and there was nothing more infuriating than going to the gym for the whole year. And then the first like two weeks of January, suddenly every piece of equipment is being used and it's packed. And I'm like, hello, I've been coming all year. Why are you people in my way? Um, nothing more infuriating for a person who regularly goes to the gym. Um, that said, I haven't stepped foot inside a gym in many years. And now, if I did rejoin a gym, I would probably intentionally make sure I did not go in the like during January at all, just so that people didn't judge me for being like a New Year's resolutioner. Um, okay, so you're being judgy by not wanting to be judged, just P.S. <laughs> I know. Yeah, right. Like I'm judging the people who are doing the judging because I was a person who used to judge the people. <laughs> but right, it was just- that is that is quite a lot of production you got going there in your judgy head. But like, it was frustrating because I would go to the gym at my usual time. I would go into the locker room and then all of a sudden all the lockers were full. And I'm like, you know, this place was empty at this time for 11 and a half months. (laughs) Why? Like now it's full. And then I would have to like, it would break my routine. And I'm like, just because you guys want to get healthy, like that's fine, but don't intrude on my routine. Um, But it was okay because then within a couple weeks, they would all be gone. And then, you know, I had kids and I never went back to a gym again. So I feel the opposite way. I'm like so excited to see all the people like, I mean, I'm not at the gym, but, you know, let's say they'll say I was at the gym. I'd be so excited to see all the people coming in to like try to, you know, take care of their New Year's resolutions to be healthier and fitter and all that kind of stuff. I think it's great. I encourage it. Now I would not be caught dead in a gym because... All I can think about is germs, unless it's like mostly empty. But if I go in a gym and there's like more than five people there, I'm like, yep, nope, I'm out. (laughs) I can't, I can't do it. But um, I did used to enjoy the gym and I love to swim. Um, Yeah, I love to swim too. So anyway, Um, I like the gym. I feel, I, I, I want all those people to keep going, you know. I mean, yeah, like I'm happy for them. I'm like, go you, you know, like good for you get healthy but at the same time i'm like but don't <laughs> steal my happy. locker yeah but like don't steal my locker like steal someone else's locker um <laughs> so i'm just a little selfish i guess <laughs> um, um that's so right. the interesting thing about like fitness as we know it today is that for great parts of history like people didn't work out, right? Like people didn't go to the gym. People didn't go outside to go for a jog. That wasn't really a thing necessarily, partially because, you know, because of the way society used to be kind of structured in order to showcase that they were a wealthy landowner, they enjoyed being 
what we would today consider like probably a little bit plump um, or maybe like out of shape. Rubenesque, my friend. Rubenesque. Yes. Um, Because it was, you know, considered unfashionable to be too thin and too like muscly because if you were too thin and too muscly, that meant that you were a laborer of some sort as opposed to somebody who lived a life of leisure. So working out and like fitness regimes have not always been a part of history. However, the there was there are recorded instances of physicians prescribing moderate daily exercise going back as far as um, Hippocrates of Greece. So we're, that's still thousands of years of a physician at the time, you know, probably very different than our physicians today, but a physician recommending that. We don't know. That's well, I mean, I imagine I medical mean, Hippocrates school. Hippocrates was like the father of medicine. So I yeah, mean, you know. but it was different. Like they yeah, weren't doing I mean, brain surgery. Uh, I hope. Uh, what? They totally <laughs> were. I mean, they had a percent were doing. I'm, I'm sure they were. I think they were I taking apart brains and looking at them. Yeah, I think they were Ugh. doing all that kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe he had a little office and a, and a you know, stone stethoscope and he was checking you out. I mean, you don't know. Who, who knows what Hippocrates was doing? He's <laughs> pretty modern. stethoscope. <laughs> Anyway, okay. back to Hippocrates. I just made anyway. my own little rabbit hole. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, there is um, there is evidence that he was the first physician to provide a prescription for exercise for a patient who was suffering from consumption, which I believe now we know is tuberculosis. Okay, can I tell you my mom's favorite thing? about consumption when she was um in nursing school they had this little rhyme about consumption do you want to hear it yes tb or not tb that is the congestion consumption be done about it of cough of cough (laughs) you're welcome okay thank you for that (laughs) you're you're welcome you don't have to include that but i've known that my whole entire life Um, that sentence just kept getting weirder because I'm like, tuberculosis, you're like, my mom's favorite thing. I'm like, tuberculosis, you're like, no, my mom's favorite thing about consumption. I'm like, it's not getting better. <laughs> like, this story is still weird. <laughs> um, so moving on from consumption and consumption and tuberculosis, <laughs> um, <laughs> the prescription for exercise for patients who are suffering from various diseases continued right up until about the 16th century. And that's when the idea of, you know, if you're if you're in too good of shape, then you must be a laborer. And if you live, lead a life of luxury, then it's okay to be, you know, have a little meat on your bones, kind of took hold and people kind of stopped exercising. Just, it just was not a thing. Um, of course, at the time, we know that, for example, Henry VIII had the first tennis courts installed, um, I believe at Hampton Court Palace. And so there were athletic events that were taking place, but people weren't like, hey, let's go hit the gym and go out for a run or, you know, work out, pump iron, all of that stuff. People would play a game that had some health benefit to it, but that was never the intent. The intent was just to do something that was fun. Horseback riding, um, tennis, field fencing, hockey? jousting, field hockey. Um, yeah. So golf. Oof, golf. A long walk ruined, as they say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the... A good so, walk ruined. A good walk ruined. A good walk ruined. Yeah. Either way, good or long, it doesn't matter. I don't understand golf. I mean, I understand it at like a basic I love level. Golf. But do you? It just feels like I a do. lot. I, 
just I like the driving yeah. range. I like to go to the driving range, but beyond that, it's I'm like I can't. Oh, I don't no, want. I like it. to see people. No, I I like to see people play it. I'm a terrible golfer, but I like to watch it. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on. But so the idea of people who were working out for their health as opposed to for any sort of like athletic benefit didn't really come into fashion until probably the middle of the last century, which sounds crazy to say, but by that I mean like the 1950s and 60s. Um, And people started jogging, which was considered this like crazy new fad. Like people would just like, you just go outside and run, like how strange. Um, But people started considering health initiatives or exercise initiatives as more of a health benefit as opposed to something strictly related to athletic competition. And from there, we have had a slew of different equipment that have been created to help people exercise. And some of these things, you know, like a weight bench, that makes sense. Or, you know, even some of the, like a bow flex or whatever, where it's like one of those multifaceted works every muscle with different weights, like those things make sense. But then we've got some that are weird, shall we say? Um, things like the thigh master, where I oh remember man, my I aunt, love that thing. My aunt had a thigh master. <laughs> I remember when I was little, and we used to, my sister and my cousin, we used to just like try to use it, and we couldn't because we were little. I was like probably like eight years old. Like we weren't strong enough to use it. Um, but basically, you know, two metal tubes that were bent into kind of like a v shape that you had to squeeze together and this was supposed to work your hip abductors um i think obviously your thighs probably your glutes a little bit i imagine um and this became super popular in the 90s suzanne summers of i don't know what else she was famous for but for me it was step by step right um three's company three's company not my not my era Oh my God. She was like amazing on that. That show was hilarious. It was um, Suzanne Summers and um, John Ritter. And I can't remember the other girl that was in it. I love John Ritter. I love John Ritter. I loved him so much. Um, Me too. But yeah, Suzanne Summers for me was Carol Lambert on Step by Step, the mom on Step by Step. That is where. I know her from. And then, of course, she became, you know, everyone's fitness guru. She released a ton of diet books. She released, um, she did the Thigh Master. She did, I believe, some like exercise videos. Um, along with who, who was the other one who did that? Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda did like tons of exercise videos, right? Am I okay, so right in that? I, no, no, they weren't videos initially. It was the, I had it. It was in like 1984. It was the Jane Fonda album. It was an album. Like it was an LP and, um, you put the album on and then you did, you had like, um, in the, in the jacket, it had like, you could follow along. <laughs> and see the exercises that she was doing and then she would talk you through them on the album i did them religiously oh. for like for years i was a huge jane fonda fitness workout fan loved loved hmm. her loved her thought she was amazing interesting um, I, I know i was like 14 and working it out to jane fonda with my you know bandana and my whatever yeah i was it was great maybe i was younger but i, I loved her Um, yeah. So so the rise of the workout video 
and apparently the workout LP, <laughs> um, which I didn't even know about. Um, and then, of course, we had the other, I think, this. I feel like this wins the award for the most ridiculous piece of workout equipment that has ever existed. And that is the shake weight, which was essentially a dumbbell that had, I don't know, it kind of moved a little bit and you just shook it up and down. And it was supposed to help you with your like chest, shoulder and tricep workout. But I don't know that it ever did anything. And I, th- I believe it's been it proven. Was low that key, it-, it was low key dirty girl. Yeah. <laughs> like it definitely, I think they've done like a million SNL skits using shake weights like the whole it just to say it would be slightly pornographic um to watch someone use a shake weight is putting it mildly i think um and also i believe it's been proven that they have almost no health benefit the there's a consumer report that stated that the intention of it to help with shoulder chest and tricep workouts were inferior to conventional exercises and um the report also found that the shake weight routines burned fewer calories than walking at three miles per hour. So you don't burn any calories and it doesn't actually build any muscle at all. So pretty much a useless product that looked ridiculous and was absolutely just silly. Just a silly product overall. The best Um, demonstration of it ever was on Ellen. That was literally the best demonstration <laughs> of it ever. It was hilarious. If no one's ever seen Ellen do the shake weight, you should like Google Ellen DeGeneres shake weight or whatever. It's it's good times. So anyway, all this to say, new year, new you. Uh, we are just really excited to kind of hear what you guys are thinking about doing this year. So if you want to drop in the comments, like, what you're doing for your resolutions or what kind of, you know, um, diet crazes have worked for you or you tried something and you loved it. We would love to hear about that too, because we'd like to do a follow-up halfway through the year and see who's keeping up and we'll let you know what we're doing too. Otherwise, I hope you guys have a great day. As always, thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you soon.